This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I was like an emo kid. So not only was it sort of having this following, but we were these like weirdos, you know? And so I don't think that anybody would take anybody that looked like I did as like a young 20-something seriously. And I kind of just had this like drive within me to show everybody wrong. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Real Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Barbu. And today I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. I feel like I've been bouncing around lately, but I always like to give a little update, like a little update of where I am in the world. This month, I have been traveling a lot. So the month of March, I went to Texas, then I'm in North Carolina. And by the end of the month, it's like, I think I'm leaving on the 28th. No, I'm leaving maybe the 30th. I don't know when I'm leaving, but one of the last days of March, I'm actually headed back to Texas, but this time it's for a brand trip. So I'm there for literally like less than 72 hours. I go from Thursday to Saturday. It's like a very, very quick trip. But yeah, I've kind of been out and about, which means that I have been spending a lot of money on food and coffee, which is never good. And if you watch my budget with me videos on YouTube, you know, I kind of go through all my expenses of the month every single month and put them on blast. And it really holds me accountable. But I would say that this month is not going to look good in terms of that. I haven't gone shopping though. So I think that's a good sign. I haven't gone shopping, haven't, because I've been out of the house, I haven't made those like sporadic Amazon purchases, haven't gone grocery shopping. So maybe it's not as bad as I think, but I think, I think it's going to be kind of bad. But today I am very excited for today's guest. I think that you guys are going to freak when you find out that I had her on my podcast. You already know who it is because of the title. But, you know, I like to add some suspense in the intro so that you guys are like, oh, my God, who is it? But before we talk about the guest, I kind of wanted to throw back to the early days of social media. And I want to do this because obviously this guest that we have on, um, she had started in like the MySpace, Tumblr, like Vans Warped Tour days. Like that's where her career really took off. And I want to know how many of you had a Tumblr? What did your Tumblr look like? Were you a Tumblr girl? I feel like Tumblr girl was such a pivotal like moment in culture because that was where so many trends happened. Like before we had Visco, before we had like Instagram, before we had TikTok, we had Tumblr. And I remember on Tumblr, mine was called Doubt Your Doubts. It was like doubt dash your dash doubts. That was like the name of my Tumblr. And it was also my senior quote. It was like doubt your doubts before you doubt your beliefs. And I'm pretty sure that was like Chase Crawford's senior quote. And that's where I found it. So, you know, 18 year old me was kind of on a gossip girl kick. But anyways, that's not the point. I think that was my Tumblr name and I was obsessed with making it look aesthetic. I was obsessed with like having like cool, like pretty pictures and like a cool look and being all like edgy, but it was kind of my alter ego because I never told anyone about it. I didn't tell anyone when I started YouTube, like my social media presence of me was my alter ego and I loved it. I loved my Tumblr. I would sometimes go and like, I remember when I went through my first breakup, I'd go on Tumblr and like repost or reblog the saddest things. And like the saddest quotes. And I remember a few years ago, I looked back at my Tumblr and I was like going back and I remember seeing these quotes and I was like, oh, that's when this happened. I know that because that's when I reblogged this or, oh my God, that just like took me back to a moment where now looking back at it, like how many ever many years later, like 11, 12 years later, I'm like, that was so insignificant or I guess maybe not 10 years later, maybe like eight years later, however long it was. It was when I was in high school, but I was like, that was so insignificant. And I was reblogging things that made it sound like it was the end of the world. I was like, thought I was so sad. And no, don't get me wrong. I was actually very, very sad at that point. But it was just like the looking back at that moment now and seeing the magnitude of emotions I had and the magnitude of like my sadness back then. I'm like, wow, that was so not warranted. Like that was not 
worth that and that person was like not worth that but it's crazy at how we magnify things in our head when things are going on and then when you look back you're like okay that actually wasn't the biggest deal especially a high school little fling breakup you know that I was like reblogging this stuff and like posting Taylor Swift lyrics all over the place so I don't know I kind of wish I still had my tumblr I don't think I still have it I mean let me quickly look it up Also, is Tumblr still a thing? No, I don't have my Tumblr anymore. Everything's gone. Yeah, everything's gone. I don't even know if Tumblr is still, I mean, I guess it's still a thing, but does anyone actually use it? Let me see, tumblr.com. Make stuff, look at stuff, talk about stuff, find your people. Okay, it's still a thing. All right, I wonder, are they doing well? How are they doing? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, I want to know your Tumblr stories and what you kind of use Tumblr for. But the reason why I'm talking about Tumblr is because today's guest, Jack Vanek, is kind of got her start on Tumblr. So Jack Vanek is a self-made entrepreneur, CEO, and one of the most powerful fashion and music influencers of her generation. And she created the Jack Vanek brand from the ground up. She got her start as an emo kid selling bracelets on MySpace and Warped Tour. And that was just like a throwback in itself. Were any of you allowed to go to Warped Tour? Because I remember I was like a freshman in high school and I like wanted to go so badly. And it was like my first music festival that I really wanted to go to. And I wanted so badly to be like an emo kid, even though I totally wasn't but I remember I wanted to go to Warp Tour and my mom wouldn't let me because <laughs> I think I was like 12 like I I remember in seventh grade I dyed a pink streak in my hair and I can't even believe my mom let me but she thought it was so cute like she took me to the salon we bleached like a strip of my hair and like dyed it literally neon pink and I was so embarrassed like I loved it I personally loved it but I knew that I was different and at that time in seventh grade you don't want to be different and I knew that I was different so I remember like not hanging out with my friends in the car rider line and this is such a vivid memory for me but I didn't hang out with my friends in the car rider line because I was like didn't want them to see my hair even though they obviously saw my hair but I just like wanted that version of me to be kept to myself I don't know it was so it was, I was so in my head about it like I loved it but I knew that like other people would question it and I didn't like that but I felt like so confident in it on my own but like not when I was with other people if that makes sense and so yeah I was just like a wannabe emo kid but Jack Vanek was actually an emo kid and she started her business by selling bracelets and back in 2015 Kelty Knight who many of you probably know asked if she wanted to start this thing called a podcast and thus Lady Gang was born I feel like Lady Gang is one of the most popular podcasts out there so it's definitely one that I would be shocked if you hadn't heard of it. And Lady Gang was one of the OG women-led podcasts and has since turned into a cult following. Jack also hosts another podcast called First Degree, which is a true crime podcast. And all of her, like her business, her original business, her Jack Vanek brands, um, her slogans, her graphics, they've been worn by celebrities like Cara Delevingne, Vanessa Hutchins, Joe Jonas. And it's just became a like really big success. And she was one of the first people on MySpace to turn a following into a profitable business. So if we want to talk about OG influencer, you have to mention Jack Vanek. She hustled her way getting a job on Warped Tour, and she calls it like punk rock summer camp. So we get all into that. Like, I loved this conversation. And she also started a podcast pretty much before everyone else. Like in 2015, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever listened to a podcast in 2015. And especially back then, there was like no female podcast. It was pretty much like Lady Gang and Joe Rogan. Like that was it. So we talk all about kind of her journey from the beginning and then also how like the Lady Gang pod has transformed into like a podcast, not just about like pop culture and celebrities, but also into stumbling throughout womanhood. So today's episode, we dive into Jack's fascinating entrepreneurial journey and key takeaways for starting a business, ways to multitask and remain focused as a creative person, what it's like to go from running a business solo to having co-founders and how to create a community of members that lifts each other up. You're going to love this episode. Don't forget to send me your tumblers. Like, I want to see it. If you have images of it, great. Um, Just send a screenshot and, like, send it to me on Instagram because I want to see your tumbler and I want to know what your tumbler name was. And I want to know if you were as dramatic as me, if you were, like, a wannabe emo kid or if you actually were an emo kid. Like, I need to know. So send those to me on the DMs. And also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to give it a review. You can rate it on Spotify. You can also give it five stars on Apple Podcasts. And you can send me the review so I can personally thank you because that means so much to me screenshot this post it on your story that literally means the world 
But yeah, without further ado, let's welcome Jack to the show. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet, Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hi, Jack. Thanks so much for coming on my podcast. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited because I know you are such like a multifaceted person and I love talking to people that are like that. So I'm excited to dive into your career and kind of what you're doing and your story. But before we do that, I like starting with setting the record straight. So it's some stereotypes, some assumptions, and then you'll just let me know Ooh. if they're true or false. Oh my God. I love this. Perfect. So first one is you have to pick a niche if you want to grow your brand on social media. <sighs> Okay. I've been thinking about this a lot recently because I literally just started using TikTok like two weeks ago and I'm like diving into the whole thing. And the thing about TikTok is like, you have to have a niche to grow. You have to have a niche. I don't really adhere to that because ever since I started my brand, like I've kind of always been all over the place. And especially now with my career, I have my clothing line. I have two different podcasts. I have a line at Zoomies. Like I have all these things going at once. And I kind of like having different parts of my personality for people to connect with. Because if you're going so far into one niche, of course, like people are going to look to you for that one thing. But I think that it's kind of cool to like make yourself to show every part of yourself to people because somebody will find something to connect with that way. That's how I feel. I don't like picking a niche. I feel like people aren't, you know, 
like when you meet a friend, it's not like, oh, I only like you because you have this like one thing that I like about you. It's like, no, you like them as a person. And I feel like social media should be more like that, where it's like people follow each other because they like each other and they want to follow them and they like view them as a friend rather than only sticking to like one specific thing. Yeah. And it's like, I follow some people like again on this TikTok thing, like I follow this one guy and he's just, he knows every single location in the entire world on Google maps. And I'm like, I go to him for that. That's a great niche to have. But for everybody else, I like just seeing little parts of people's personalities because you never know what interest you're going to share with somebody. Right. No, I totally agree. And the next one is that podcasts are oversaturated. I mean, that's a yes and a no. They're are so many podcasts nowadays, but it's hard to have a good podcast that has really good content. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I mean, I'm so proud of you for keeping your podcast going because it's really, really hard past a couple episodes because everybody can think that, you know, we should really film our conversations at brunch because we're so funny and everybody will love it. But after a few episodes, you're like, God, what do I talk about now? So it's really, really hard to have good conversations and have them every single week and keep that consistent. Yeah. And I always tell people when they're like wanting to start a podcast, you have to have a topic that you can talk about a year, two years later. Like, obviously you're not going to be repetitive, but like you have to have something that is sustainable because I think some people, especially in like the influencer space, will start podcasts and be like, oh, it's just like an extension of my life. And so then they'll like continue to talk about, you know, like random topics like yeah, like answering like Q&As or like what what's going on in their life. But then they also do that on Instagram and then they also do that on TikTok and then they also do that on yeah. YouTube. And it's like, wait, what's the difference between your podcast and like everything else? So I feel like there needs to be some like something that sets it apart or something that's yeah. like a little bit different. Well, and the thing with podcasting, it's it's long form. I think it's a lot easier to do like a Q&A, like little short snippets on different forms of social media. But podcasts, you're having a conversation. So if you can't hold that conversation for an hour each week, like it's going to end up falling flat. And people really pick up on it. Like your audience will pick up on if something's stale, if it's repetitive, if it's just not interesting. So I I think that podcasting is like, like everybody thinks that they can do it. And it's, it's really damn hard. Totally. I like the dynamic with like co-founders and stuff. And I feel like people think like, oh, it must be so much easier to have co-founders, but I don't think so. Like, I think then you have to like schedule with them, make sure that you guys are all wanting to talk about the same thing. Like, I think there's so much more that goes into it than people realize. Oh my gosh. It's a full-time job. It's a lot more than just talking for an hour. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm excited to talk about like kind of Lady Gang and then your second podcast, like how you do that. But the next one is Instagram is dying. <sighs> I get this is something I've been thinking about recently, too, because of my recent jump over to TikTok. I can agree with that just in the sense of I haven't gotten a new Instagram follower in probably four years. Like I'm just like slowly declining. And I feel like everybody else out there is, too. I think Instagram's good for, I guess, what it is. But I think that everybody's kind of over the over like curated aspirational sort of a lifestyle thing. I think it was really pretty for a second, but I don't know. I just, it's, it gets really boring and stale to me. And I feel like I can't be the only person that thinks that. Oh yeah. And I know like people are trying to, you know, make it more casual and like make it less curated, but I think that just the nature of Instagram is to post your best moments. And so like, at least what you post in the feed, like stories, okay. You can post whatever, but like what you're posting on your feed, I feel like no matter how much you say, like, I don't care. It's just going to be casual. Like, it's just hard to do that. Like TikTok, I'll upload a TikTok in like five seconds. You know, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what I'm like lying in bed, like no makeup before I go to bed and I'm like filming something and it's fine. Like I'll post it. But like Instagram, I just wouldn't do that. Oh no. They've just like made it in a way that you can't fully be like your hundred percent like authentic self on that app. Yeah. I mean, we're just like so far down a rabbit hole in Instagram. And I think it's just created this like society of wanting that perfection and chasing after it over and over and over again. And it's just like, it's never enough. Mm -hmm. And then with whatever algorithm they're doing now, it's like, you just kind of get shot down over and over again. So it, it, it's not the best. Yeah. And I'm curious, what were you like when you were younger? Were you always wanting to be an entertainer? Did you want to start your own business? Like what was your childhood like? 
So my early childhood, when I was like in junior high age, I did want to be an actress. And I went to like big time acting schools up in LA. And I really thought that I was going to become like the next like Hillary Duff or like a Britney Spears or something like that. That didn't last very long. When I got into high school, I uh, started listening to like emo music and going to Warp Tour and all that kind of stuff. And it really changed the trajectory of my life because I was like, I want this life. Like, I want this for myself, but I have no musical talent. I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to go on tour and I want to be like a rock star. So as I got older, I started posting my life going to concerts and stuff like that on LiveJournal, which is pre MySpace, pre all those things. I'm really aging myself. And it kind of just like caught on. And then I sort of just dived into this music world. And that was the beginning of my career. Were you like on Tumblr? Were you like famous on MySpace? Or was it just like your friends? Or like, was it kind of like a, a brand back then? Yeah. So LiveJournal was the thing before Tumblr. I don't know how you're, you seem very young. I'm 25. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm 34. I'm 10 years older than you. So LiveJournal was like the pre-Tumblr kind of a thing. It was like one of the first online journals, I guess, back in the day. So that's where I first started posting and I gained like a big following on that. And then that kind of transferred to MySpace. But when you had a following back in the day, like everybody kind of thought it was a joke. Yeah. It was like, oh, you're famous on MySpace. What are you going to do with that? And nobody understood that you could actually transfer that and make a brand out of that. So in the beginning, it was, you know, people would kind of just make fun of me. But back on MySpace, when I first started going to concerts and I was in college, I started making these rubber bracelets that had different words on them. I'm sure you've like kind of seen like the I love boobies and stuff like that. I was like the first person to kind of do that in the scene. And I sold them on my MySpace page. People paid me through PayPal and it was this really DIY like boots to the ground kind of a thing and it blew up from there. So I think I was like one of the first pe people in that MySpace realm to take that joke of a following and kind of make it into a business. Yeah, because I know I feel like before, like even before YouTube and stuff, being an influencer on, on social media like wasn't taken seriously. Even in the beginning days of YouTube, I started on YouTube 10 years ago. So it was like 2011, like no one was doing it at the time, yeah. really. But like, even then it was like not taken seriously. So I can't imagine even before that, like people probably were like, what? That was also the time where you shouldn't talk to strangers on the internet. And like, no, <laughs> you shouldn't post photos of yourself or like, don't show your last name, like have like a random username. So I feel like you kind of ran with that and became one of the first like influencer before that was a word turned entrepreneurs back yeah. when like that wasn't a thing. Well, and it was funny too, because I was like a emo kid. So not only was it sort of having this following, but we we're these like weirdos, you know? Yeah. So I don't think that anybody would take anybody that looked like I did as like a young 20 something seriously. And I kind of just had this like drive within me to show everybody wrong. So that's kind of where that all came. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, I guess I'm going to do this. I guess I'm going to do this. And it kind of made these decisions that ended up working for me kind of in the beginning of that influencer sort of a world. Yeah. And what do you do for Warp Tour? Did you work for them? Did you kind of just like go to each chore and try to sell your bracelets or what were you doing there? So I started off just literally going to the different warp tours and bringing a bunch of bracelets in my backpack and selling them out of my backpack. So <laughs> that's how it started. And as I got more of a following, I kept trying to apply to actually be on the tour. And I got told no so many times because I was kind of in that realm. I had a bunch of rumors swirling around about me and like the people high up at Warp Tour were like, she's just a wannabe groupie. We're not going to let her on the tour. We're not taking her seriously. So it took a few years for me to actually be taken seriously to be let on the tour. And then once I was on the tour, I would have a little pop up tent, like a little 10 by 10 tent. And I would have all of my merch in there and I would be working like 16 hour days and like 110 degrees just selling merch. And I was like the happiest I've ever been. And was that like your full-time job at the time, like doing that, like selling your merch and like going on tour? Yeah. So I started my brand when I was in college. I was like 21. So by the time that I graduated college, it took off in a sense where I could kind of just transfer that into my full-time job. Thank God. And then I did that for like 10 years until we started our podcast. 
And there was a lot of highs and lows. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It was a mess, but it was great. Yeah. What's life like on, on tour? Like, is it actually like the rock star lifestyle? <laughs> like what is, what is it like to actually go on tour with, with Warped Door? I mean, yes and no. From what I saw, there was no drugs, but there was, you know, a lot of partying. There was a lot of hooking up. I mean, I love a musician. I've made out with probably every single lead singer that was on that tour. But it was it's a mess and it's really fun. But everybody does their job. You know, it's it's definitely a we called it punk rock summer camp because we just kind of had like 500 people that were traveling the country together and partying their asses off and playing shows and just like creating these really cool relationships with each other that you wouldn't anywhere else. It's a very like specific focused experience that it's really hard to even explain to anybody. Mm -hmm. And when did you start the podcast then? Like, when did you transition from going on tour and selling your merch to Lady Gang? And I know that you still have your brand too. So yeah. when did you kind of add on the podcast? So Kelty, who is one of my co-hosts, she approached me in 2015, like late 2015. And I actually know Kelty because we have a mutual ex-boyfriend. I dated a musician, shocker. And a couple of years later, she did. And the internet sort of pitted us against each other. So that's how we knew each other. But we were kind of just acquaintances after that. But she had approached me and she was like, hey, uh, do you want to do this thing called a podcast? And this is when, I mean, probably the only podcast that existed was Joe Rogan, which basically felt like a radio show. There were no women podcasts in in the world pretty much at all. And I kind of agreed to it because I was in a little bit of a plateau with my business. I was like very uninspired with what I was doing. So I was like, you know, it'd be really cool to do something collaborative with people. I've kind of always been my own boss, but I've never worked alongside people before. Um, And I was like, maybe we'll just make some cool YouTube videos and throw them on the Internet and it'll be a fun hobby. So I never really realized that it would turn into what it has turned into. So that's kind of how we started and we grew from there. And how did you guys grow? Like, was it instant because you were one of the first like female podcasts in the space or what, what I guess grew you guys? Cause you guys are one of the most like well-known podcasts. I feel like today, like you talk to a group of 20 something year olds, like they know your podcast. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it it started off pretty strong because it was this sort of a big moment of women creating a podcast that was in such a male dominated field. So we had like a little push. Each of us had our own followings. I mean, Kelty has been a reporter for the past 10 years. I had my brand and my following. And then Becca Tobin is our third co-host and she was an actress on Glee. She had the biggest following. We've always tried to like ride on her coattails. So in the beginning, we kind of had that to push it forward. But it really was consistency and putting out an episode every single week that got more people I'm sure you know, like it's kind of a slow roll. And Mm -hmm. you you gather people slowly. So it was sort of this slow growth. And the biggest thing that we ever did was create a Facebook group that all of our girls would join. And it was this sort of transfer of the podcast just being about us and then turning it into this community of women that were supporting each other and befriending each other and making something that was like bigger than the three of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know the podcast scene then obviously, like you said, was like mainly male dominated and it wasn't even like popular. I feel like it was more like radio shows. I don't know if anyone did it as a business. Like, I don't even know if Joe Rogan at the time, like was doing that full time. Mm -hmm. Um, but so you guys probably didn't think like, oh, this is going to be a business. Like let's go into this as like an empire type of thing of what it is today. (laughs) I feel like. So how did you guys decide like roles or like who does what, or because even if it technically wasn't like a business at the time, you still had those like responsibilities. So what was that like in the beginning, like going in with two people that I don't know, maybe you weren't that close with at the time or. Yeah, I actually wasn't close to them at all. None of us were close in the beginning and it was kind of, Kelty is like the mastermind between the three of us. And I think she just had this idea in her head and she was like, these are the right people to do it. But when we started it, her idea was to turn it into a TV show, which we did eventually end up turning it into a TV show um, that was not long lived, thank God, because I hated the experience. But um, we kind of started it like that. Number one, we didn't make any money from the podcast for two years. So it really was this like labor of love for a long, long time. I think that we all had this 
passion for it. And we thought that it eventually would become lucrative and it would become something, you know, that would take over a lot of our lives, but it took a long time. But in the beginning, we kind of just fell into our roles, which is kind of crazy. We never really had a conversation of who was going to do what, but like I said, Kelty is like the, she is trailblazing everything. She is the doer. She's going to get shit done. She has all the connections. I am more of the creative. I do all of our branding. I do all of like our ideas, our merch, anything visual. I will create a direct photo shoots and all of that kind of stuff. And then Becca is really like our connector. She connects us to, she has knows every single person in the entire industry and she kind of puts the pieces together. And then she's also the big ideas person. She's always thinking about charity. She's thinking about how we can give back. She's thinking about how we can kind of stay grounded in what we're doing. So we kind of all have our lanes and we really, really respect each other. And none of us are like stepping over into somebody else's lane. Like if one of them was like, you know, I think that we should really go this direction in like the design of our book, I would bite their head off. So we stay in our lanes. <laughs> So is that kind of why Kelty wanted you two as her co-host because you guys were so also different or had like different strengths? Or do you know the reason why she decided you two if you weren't super close or close at all? I don't know. I mean, she must have just in that creative genius mind of hers known deep down that it was going to work. And we're really lucky. Like we don't argue. We've never had a fight. We're always very, very like open and honest with each other. So we've had this very open like line of conversation and communication that, you know, if there's ever a problem or if any of us has a question, like we're never beating around the bush. We're always kind of just going straight to the source. So we've just gotten lucky. We really have. Cause I know how hard it is to be business partners with somebody and have, you know, volatile relationships in the professional space. So we got lucky. How was like the first episode compared to like what it is today? Like how has it kind of transformed? Oh my God. And was it awkward if you guys like, like was the first episode awkward? <laughs> I mean, kind of, we definitely used to drink in the beginning when we were recording just to, you know, loosen it up a little bit. The first episode, I remember I was like scared shitless. Um, I'm not a professional speaker or entertainer. So I've always felt like a little bit on the outside where the both of them have been in the entertainment industry forever. Like they're professionals at this. So I was a little bit nervous. I was a little bit more soft-spoken in the beginning. Um, it took a while for me to get really comfortable doing the podcast. But it was funny because we started off being like a celebrity driven podcast. We thought that we were going to kind of be color, you know, in bringing some kind of like a personality to it. Kelty would be interviewing and it would be very, very focused on the celebrity. So that's kind of the biggest difference with how we started and how we are now. It's definitely become more kind of uh, internal with the three of us. We're talking about our lives. We're connecting more with our listeners on a stumbling through womanhood sort of a basis rather than this aspirational, like, when was the moment that like, you knew you made it kind of a conversation? Right, right. And how do you, because obviously I have a podcast and I feel like podcasts are really hard to like connect with people since it's one-sided you know, you have to have like the most loyal listeners or you have to ask them to like meet you somewhere else. Like you have to join a Facebook page or you have to follow us on Instagram and like PM us rather than just like commenting on an individual episode. And you guys have such a cult following. Like it's like such a strong community. How have you built that? And like, what do you think it is that like made that community so strong? I mean, like I was kind of saying in the beginning, I think when you have a podcast, it's like, you know, you're sort of on this pedestal to your fans. Or I think people start a podcast thinking like that's how it's going to be. And I think sort of shattering that idea and putting us on the same level as our listeners really kind of gave us that opportunity to connect with them just like on a human level. And the things that we were talking about, you know, in the beginning, like I said, it's like a lot of it was celebrity based. A lot of it was like, you know, Kelty and Becca's experiences in the industry and all this kind of stuff. And the more that we started just talking about being women and like not wanting to have sex with our partners or like 
going through like terrible periods or going through fertility issues, like all this kind of stuff that just connects us on just the very, very basics about being women, I think was the first step. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, having that Facebook community, I feel like you just have to, because when you have a podcast, you are kind of just one-sided. Like you have to have a place where you're going to connect with your listeners and put, like opening the mic to them, you know, and having yeah. everybody be able to post about, you know, their exciting moments, their low moments, their wanting advice and having all the women kind of turn inward to each other, having it just be more of a, like a general friendship rather than like, you listen to me talk and what I say is what you like should do kind of a thing. Yeah. And I know like, on social media, like you guys, and especially you are like super transparent on social media too, which I feel like people can connect with people that are just more transparent on there. Yeah. How has your relationship with social media changed like over the years? Because I know, you know, you're so much more open about like talking about like your body and like non-filtered photos and all of this stuff that I think is really inspiring and amazing that you like people are posting that now and being more realistic. Yeah. How has your relationship, I guess, even specifically with Instagram maybe changed? Yeah. Like a couple of years ago, my relationship with social media was really bad. It was kind of in the height of, you know, Facetune and Photoshop and really, really posting your highlight reel, probably even before stories were available on Instagram. And at the time I was just following beautiful women doing extravagant things with perfect bodies, wearing designer clothes. Like that's mm -hmm. who, what my feed was. And my relationship with social media was horrible. I mean, it was making me anxious. It was making me depressed. Um, I was not happy with my life or my body or anything. And it really exacerbated my relationship with myself. So over the past few years, I stopped following anybody that made me feel bad about myself. My feed is literally mostly French bulldogs. Um, I started following frog accounts, which I'm really loving and then travel stuff. And my feed makes me happy now when I look at it, like it's really great looking at a dog doing something stupid rather than this perfect girl in Bora Bora. You know what yeah, I mean? So you don't even know that I don't even know that I'm like, well, you're I know your picture is face tuned, but yet it's still making me feel bad about myself that my body doesn't look like this. Mm -hmm. So I think kind of taking a step back and following accounts that only make me feel good about myself or bring me happiness and just kind of detaching myself a little bit from social media, like not feeling bad if I'm not posting regularly, I'm not feeling bad if my picture doesn't get X amount of likes and kind of just like having it be what it is. And unfortunately, I have to use social media for my job. Like if I didn't have to, I would probably delete it, to be honest, because I don't see any benefit to my mental health using it. So it's kind of just like taking it for what it is. It's like, I have to use it for this reason. Let me limit my time on it. Let me make my feed something that actually makes me happy and kind of leave it at that. Because I feel like it's really easy to fall down that rabbit hole and start like going down the shame spiral every single day. And you don't even realize you're doing it. Yeah. Do you set boundaries like time limits or like, like anything like that? No, because I don't think that I have that much of a problem. Like mm -hmm. I did in the past, but I think my relationship with social media is a lot healthier than it used to be. But I mean, I, I find myself endless, endlessly scrolling as I feel like everybody does and I have to catch myself, but I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I, I think for me, I want to go and like do a whole like cleanse and like unfollow people and mute people. Feels so good. Yeah. Because sometimes I'll go on and I'm just like scrolling and I don't care about anyone that I, I'm like scrolling past, but like, right? yeah, it still can make you jealous or it can make you like envious, or you can think like you're falling behind in life. And another one that I think is kind of like underrated, which I don't know if any, like a lot of people use this, but like, I still use this. LinkedIn for some reason, like it's like a very <laughs> underrated social media. <laughs> that one is the next one that needs like a transformation because it really is just people posting like how successful they are. Oh, and I so, didn't even think about that. So yeah. Like, oh, I had this job or I raised this much money or I did this. And so I think I'm very much involved in it because like I'm starting. So I'm like the founder of a company, right? And we're like yeah, raising money. Yeah. And so I'm on LinkedIn a lot and I'm like, this is the next one that needs to change. Like, I feel like people talk about Instagram a lot, but like, 
This is another I one. didn't even think about that. That's so funny. Yeah, you're not going to post about your failures on there or like any your weaknesses. Yeah, it's uh, only strengths because, you know, oh it's gosh. like your resume. So yeah, it's resume and social media form. Oh my God. I, I don't have a LinkedIn <laughs> at all. I mean, I, I've never really, I've always been like so far into the creative space that I've never had to like make one, but now I really don't want to. Yeah, I don't think it's necessary in in like a creative world, I feel like. But I know, okay, so like I know that you have your brand, you have a clothing line, um, podcast, you started another podcast. Why did you start another podcast? Like, was that more like a a passion project? Like what? (laughs) Because it's so different than like all the other things that you do. Well, it's so funny talking about like how much podcasting literally takes up your life and how hard it is to have one podcast. Um, And with Lady Gang, we have two episodes a week too. So that's even, it's like twice as much work. So yeah, so I started another one. My other podcast is called The First Degree. It's a true crime podcast. And it is a, or it started off being a passion project. I was really interested in true crime. And my best friend is a true crime TV producer she wanted to start a true crime podcast and was kind of asking me advice of like what she should do. And I was like, well, you know what? I have a following on podcasts. Like maybe I should be your partner. I have no experience in the true crime world at all. But like, isn't this what the American dream is? You just like throw yourself into something and like hope it's successful. So that's what we did. And we have a third partner who's also a true crime professional. So I'm kind of, again, the odd man out in that podcast as well. Um, But yeah, we tell stories through the eyes of somebody that was like one degree um, away from the perpetrator of the crime itself. So it's sort of a different perspective of telling true crime stories. And um, it's the same thing. We just have had to be so consistent and keep it going. It's 10 times more work than Lady Gang is because we're doing like scripted stories. But I really find so much joy in that. And it is something that I've kind of started like as my own little baby and have grown for the past uh, three years, three and a half years. It's been a while. Yeah, that's crazy. And I mean, what does your day to day look like? Because you do a lot of different things. Do you time batch? Do you do like Mondays are for this, Tuesdays are for this? Or like, how do you structure your day? Any organizational tools that you use? (sighs) No. I like to get very specific in this because I'm like, I, I need to hear this. I need- oh my God, I need to hear this. My lifestyle is just so all over the place. Every day is completely different for me. My fiance is a musician too. So I am visiting him a lot on the road. So we're always, every week, every day is just a completely different thing. And I am a scattered person as it is. I don't know if you know the Enneagram at all. Do you Have you done your Enneagram? Yeah. I'm so most times when I take it, I'm a three, but then sometimes when I take it, I'm a seven. It like depends on the day. So I'm a seven and Kelty and Becca are threes. So we're like completely different. (laughs) So I'm like scatterbrained, like as a baseline and just like a creative and I'm like all over the place. So, um, I try to time batch. Um, maybe I can do that like one day and then the next day is like a disaster again, but I'm pretty good just because I've always been doing a bunch of things at once. I'm good at kind of multitasking. Like right now I have illustrator open and I'm working on like five different designs. And later on in the day we're recording first degree. Like I'm always just like kind of bouncing from one thing to another and just kind of as my schedule allows and just being okay with that. That's another thing, like looking at some different people, like, you know, the skinny confidential Lauren, she is like the queen of time batching. I look at her Instagram. I'm like, you are so fucking organized. I would do anything to be like you. And I kind of just have realized that I'm never going to be like that. And I'm just going to do the best I can with the time that I've got and the projects that I have. And I know it's kind of always going to be a little bit of a scattered mess, but like, that's me. It works. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I have to make it work the way that it, it does. I don't have the schedule to be able to do that. Yeah. That's how I feel because I obviously do like YouTube and social media and then I have my business and then I have the podcast and I always feel so jealous of the people that time batch and do it well. And uh, people have told me, they're like, Oh, like Mondays, you should just do this. Yeah. And like Tuesday mornings, just do this. I have tried so hard to time batch and to be like, block my days out like besides when I have calls and stuff to like block it out like okay from this time to this time I'm only gonna work on this I can't do it like I physically cannot do it I if an email pops up I'll like divert my attention to that I'll schedule things and then like I'll have like an hour break and then I'll schedule something else that's like totally different and it 
I mean, it, it's been working for me, but like, I'm so jealous of people that can actually sit down and like be so organized. But I think like you, I've realized it's never going to happen. Yeah. It's never going to be me. And honestly, if it works, then who cares? But yeah. I don't well, know. I feel jealous of people. And it's hard. I mean, you do multiple things at once too. So it is hard when you're trying to do, you're working on X project and you get an email and that email is super important. So you have to answer it right then. Like, I think it's a lot easier if you're just focused on the one job that you're doing and you can really kind of time batch that stuff out and not have anything pop up and like screw up your schedule. But I think being able to be flexible and being able to kind of like go with the flow and not have that screw up your day and really throw you off guard. I honestly think that that's a strength, you know, to be able to be Mm -hmm. so malleable with whatever your like professional day or your life is throwing at you at the moment. Yeah, I know. I I think it definitely is a strength in that sense, but I feel like people have pounded in like time batching organization. Like that's the best thing. If you don't do it, you're not productive, but that's just not true. Like we gotta (laughs) do you journal or do you do like a bullet journal or anything like that? I don't do a bullet journal, but I do journal every now and then. So it's, I have like a really long morning routine and that is one thing I stick to every single morning. Like I have a very, like, it's like a two, three hour morning routine and nothing's going to interrupt that. Whoa! I I wake up at like seven and then I'll like work out. I'll get ready. I'll have a coffee. If I have time, I'll journal, but I just like love having me time. Like I don't check my phone in those like two hours and then like I'll start my day at like nine or 10. Yeah. But see, you have something. I don't have that. That's my one like consistent like routine that I have. My day is thrown off if I don't do But it'll it. throw your day off like really good. And it's like, then you feel focused and you're able to take on like all the crazy shit that's going to be thrown your way. Yeah. Do you have any routines? Like, do you do morning routines, night routines, or is kind of every day just a little bit different? I mean, I have like a morning routine kind of similar to yours, except for, of course, I'm looking at my phone because it's like so hard not to. And I just... In the, in the morning, it's like I want to get through my emails like the first thing during the day because once that starts like piling up on each other, like that's where my anxiety really kicks in because then everything else gets thrown my way. And if you're not answering your emails then everything else gets kind of thrown off course. But I do the morning routine. I drink my coffee in bed. I give myself an hour. My fiance is sleeping. I'm like, do not wake up and interrupt my me time for this one hour. I at least just stretch in the morning, try to like get my bones moving a little bit and then usually start the day around nine. We record podcasts a lot in the morning. So I like to have like myself kind of like figured out before we start doing that around nine. Yeah. So, okay. You, you also have like some structure too. Mm, Loose. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mostly I just need a coffee in the morning or else I'm like literally going to be a nightmare. Well, same thing. That's that's a part of your routine. Yeah. And I know like you're also very, like we were talking about earlier, very multifaceted. That's why we're like not as structured and like, you know, you have a million things going on, but did you ever feel like you had to hone in on one thing? Like, have you ever felt like, oh my God, I'm doing too much and I need to niche down? I mean, I kind of always feel like that. I was having a conversation with my fiance the other day where I'm like, I kind of always feel like I'm half-assing everything because I'm doing 10 things at once. And I'm like, I wonder how it would be if I actually just put my full time and energy into this one thing. Like, I wonder how successful that would be. But I was doing that when I had my brand for like 10 years straight. And it, I did always kind of feel like there's this void in me. And I feel like that there's something innate within me that I want to be doing more than one thing. And I want to like fill up different buckets at the same time, because that's where I really do find fulfillment. So maybe I feel like I am missing out on success in one specific place, but I really do like diversifying my life and diversifying my income and diversifying just like my emotional state too. Like I just, I'm a creative person and I am going to feel fulfilled by doing all those things. I'm thinking about starting another business right now. I'm like, do I have time? No, but like, I want to, I want to like launch an NFT series and I want to do like all of these things that I don't have time for, but like, there's always going to be that drive in me that like wants something new. I think. I'm like the exact same way. Like I always am thinking about like, Oh, what else should I do? What else should I do? And I'm like, wait, I can like barely do what I'm doing now. Yeah. Why am I thinking about that? I think I just like the process of starting things and the excitement. And then it like gives me fulfillment of like adding another thing to my list, even though I am passionate about it. It's like, 
I would just be so bored if I was only doing one thing. Yeah. And I think it's also, I get excited about the potential of something. So it's like when you're planning something new, you're like, I don't know, you kind of day it's like instead of daydreaming about like my wedding I'm going to be daydreaming about like what if this took off and this new creative endeavor endeavor and I think that there's something really exciting about that like creative potential in an idea yeah it's really similar to dating when it's like you meet someone and you're like oh my god I can see us getting married and having three kids and all of this but instead it's like oh my god this idea could like blow up and like be so successful and uh so that's like how I feel too yeah. whenever I'm starting something new. Well, and I think it's just with the world that we live in now, there is so much potential for anybody to kind of do anything and for you to turn a hobby or an interest or whatever into a professional endeavor. And I think that's what's really exciting. And that's for me, I can't just be like, you know, I'm going to just do this one thing because it's working. I always want to kind of tap into something else because it's exciting. And there is the possibility of actually making that successful. Mm-hmm. And have you ever started something and then it failed and like didn't work out and you pivoted or left it? I mean, it's kind of like the trajectory of my Jack Vanek brand for like a while because there were many years that I mean, it was a roller coaster. The whole thing was roller coaster. And there were years that it was super successful. There are years that I lost a lot of money. And that was the thing that once Lady Gang kind of came into my life, I took huge pause on. And I'm like, I'm not going to say this is a failure because it did. I, I I did it for like 10 years, but it was something that turned into s- something too big for myself. Like I never uh, had investors. I own a hundred, hundred percent of my brand. I really did it all DIY. And there comes a time where you plateau and it's really hard to sustain something like that. So I won't consider that a failure, but it was something that I was like, I need to take a step back and like pause. Mm -hmm. Because like what advice do you have for someone who might have a ton of different interests and and wants to do a ton of different things, but they feel like they can't do it all? You know, do you think it's good to like try everything once or maybe pick one thing and then like add something on later? Like what's your advice with that? Yeah, I mean, especially if you're going to start, if you're trying to start a business or something, one, my biggest, biggest advice that I ever got was to take baby steps. I did learn this the hard way. I got so ahead of myself so many different times and either spent too much money, hired too many people, did too many things that I wasn't ready for. And that's when you kind of crash and burn. So taking that back to like, say you have a normal job and you want to, you know, start your own clothing line, whatever, if you're going to do what I did. I think just starting slow and trying different things out and not getting too ahead of yourself and see what's working. Like if something works, then do it a little bit more. And if that works, then do it a little bit more. But I think just jumping into the deep end, whatever you're going to do, it's very, very risky. And if you have Mm -hmm. multiple interests and you have multiple ideas, I think you need to kind of like start with one, see how that works. If that's not working, pivot. And you can pivot easier if you didn't put too much into something that now you're kind of in the red. So I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, taking baby steps and just kind of like listening to your gut and listening to what's working and trying not to like make something happen that's not working. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, like especially me, you start dreaming really big. And so you're like, oh my God, I I need to add this person and I need to do this and this and this. Like I'm very impatient. Like I have the end result in my head and I want to execute on that like immediately, you know? And that's just not how it works. I have had to like pump the brakes on Lady Gang so many different times because I'm the only person that had had a business before then. Beck and Kelty had all obviously had all their jobs, but I had been the only person that's been like an entrepreneur. And I was like, we cannot hire all these people. We cannot spend all this money. We can't order 5,000 units of merch. It's just going to like sit in the warehouse and it's going to be dead cash. So there are so many times that I've had to be like, okay, we need to take a step back and do things slow. And then you can see what works. And then it's your, you don't fuck yourself over in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, has that happened with you? Like with your brand or like with other businesses that you've kind of started? Yeah. Like a million times with my brand. And I really, it took me so many times to learn the lesson the hard way, but I finally did. And I could kind of take that knowledge into Lady Gang, but especially when it came to hiring people, like hiring employees that I couldn't afford and that I ultimately like didn't need. 
it was hard because then you're just like, so you're so committed, you're committed to these employees, you're committed to their salaries, you're committed to this, this whole idea of something. And, you know, it takes a while to figure out that something isn't working and it's kind of hard to reverse something like that. But everybody's making mistakes all the time that also you have to like give yourself some grace, I guess, in that circumstance. Yeah, no, totally. And how has it been being like a solo entrepreneur to then like working with, I would say co-founders with Lady Gang, you know, having like co-founders and like partners? I love them both. I really, really love working collaboratively because I am such a creative person. I'm not really great with a lot of like the business side of things. So I think finding people that really balance me out and that have these amazing talents that I could never even dream of is so exciting. And that really is like the secret sauce to Lady Gang. It's also the secret sauce to First Degree, my other podcast. Mm -hmm. One of my partners, she's like the Kelty of our group. She's like the doer, the go-getter. She's like a crazy genius true crime producer. And she really is the person that is propelling everything forward. So I think it's really cool to work with people that I can learn things from and that really fill in the gaps of what I don't have. But then there's also the pros of working for myself because I can just make all the decisions that I want to. But that's something with my Jack Vanek brand that I have learned from having employees and stuff in the past. Like, I don't like being a boss. I don't like having to deal with like HR stuff. I don't like having to micromanage people to tell them what to do to make sure that they're doing their job. I like being my, a creative, being able to do my own thing whenever I want to. I have weird hours that I work. I get like pings of creativity at weird hours of the day. And I want to just be able to do that on my time. And I think that that's again, like an Enneagram seven kind of thing. Like I need my freedom. I need to do what I want. So there's just, there's pros and cons to both, but in lady gang, both of them have realized like, that's how I work and like, don't step on my toes in my process. Yeah. And I think it's so important to realize that and like know how you work and what works well with you. And I feel like we're really similar in that sense too, where like, I also don't really like having people under me even. And I don't like, it's really hard for me to delegate. It's hard for me to be like a manager. Like I'm not the best person at hiring. I feel like, like I'm, I rely on my co-founders so much when it comes to hiring decisions because I need like other, I, I, I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, it's a great fit. But then I like rush into it too quickly. And then I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't have done this. But then like you said, you're dealing with someone's salary, with someone's life. You can't just be like, never mind, you're fired. Yeah. Like, done. You can't just ghost them you know? like they're a bad date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it's important to know like your strengths and your weaknesses and having people that kind of like check you on that and like balance you out is so, so important. Yeah, and I'm like a non-confrontational person too. So when I was like for my brand, when I had to fire people, oh my God, I like still cringe about it. Like I am not good at firing people. I don't want to have that confrontation. Like it makes me feel so bad. I have so much anxiety and like I learned from doing that. I'm like, I never want to have an employee again. I can't deal with that. Like, it's just, I'd rather just work for myself my entire life. But that's why having like a co-founder that's really good at that. Like Kelty has fired so many people in her life. She like doesn't think twice about it. Like, of course she cares about her her employees, but she's just very good at putting on that hat and being able to like get the job done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not that person. I'm no, I'm like, I never want to do that again. I still have like a cringe from like five years ago when I had to do it once. Yeah. <laughs> um, and before we go, I wanted to ask, what is your best piece of life advice? So it doesn't have to be business advice or anything like that, but you guys have a whole book about it. You talk about so much advice on your podcast. So what's the best piece of advice that you've received? I mean, it's going to be so cheesy because it's literally the concept of your podcast, but is don't compare your hustle to their highlight reel. Like that in every aspect of my entire life, whether that's, you know, having your own, like your romantic relationship and comparing that to somebody else's or your friendships with people or your professional life, or just honestly how you think about yourself, because Everybody is going through something. Everybody is struggling in their own way, whether that be professionally, romantically, personally. And I think that we all need to give ourselves some grace. I think we all need to give ourselves some patience. And, you know, we're all just kind of doing the best that we can. Yeah, I love it. Very fitting for the podcast. But I do, I do really like resonate with that. I mean, everyone's sharing on every platform, no matter how like authentic you think people are being, no one is sharing every single like bad part about their life. It's just like, Also, that wouldn't be healthy. Like, I wouldn't want people to share every bad part of their life either. But 
it's so easy to get wrapped up in like, oh my God, their life is better than mine or they're more successful or they're doing, they're far further ahead than me. Yeah. And it's kind of like a, it's like human nature for people to kind of disguise all that. Even when you're talking to a friend about their relationship, you know, a lot of times people are, you know, not disclosing the red flags that could be happening or the hurtful parts of it. And that's, I think that's just human nature and that's okay. But I think realizing that and trying to, you know, kind of distance yourself a little bit from that is the best thing that we can do for ourselves. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so where can they find you and where can they find all of your ventures? <laughs> okay. So I'm at Jack Vanek on Instagram and TikTok, newly using TikTok. Um, and then you can listen to the Lady Gang podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then the first degree on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Awesome. You're like covered half of the week. <laughs> I know. I just need a Monday, but I don't know. And maybe a Friday. Do people listen to podcasts on Friday? I don't know. I don't know. I don't like weekend podcasts. I like the <laughs> earlier in the week. Podcast, like to start my so. day off right. Yeah. On Mondays. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the Mom Room Podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood. Hey, my name is Lovon Rumpf and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here. And vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.